This is the Future of Work Limited Series Podcast, brought to you by Andrew R. Timming, Professor of Human Resource Management at RMIT University. This podcast series brings together world-leading experts and thinkers to discuss employment trends and the future of the labor market. You can follow me on Twitter at TimmingLab. That's T-I-M-M-I-N-G-L-A-B. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the discussion. This is Professor Andrew Timming, and I'm sitting down today with Miguel Olivas. Miguel Olivas Lujan is a professor in teaching HR and associate director of the Center for International Human Resource Studies at the Penn State University. A former chair and professor at Clarion University of Pennsylvania, his research interests include human resources, evidence-based management, diversity, information and technology and culture. His work published in venues such as the Journal of International Business Studies and the International Journal of Human Resource Management, and many more has been recognized by the Academy of Management, including Outstanding Reviewer and several Leadership Awards. Miguel, thank you so much for your time. It's my pleasure to be here with you, uh, Andrew. I appreciate very much this invitation. Glad to have you. Um, Listen, the reason I I wanted to talk with you uh, specifically as part of this podcast series is that I understand uh, you've done some work uh, surrounding um, the implications of blockchain technology for uh, human resource management. And I'd like to have a a discussion about some of the work that you've been doing in that space. But before we get to that discussion, I wonder if you might just uh, spend a little time explaining to listeners uh, what blockchain technology is and how it operates. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> it's, uh, well, uh, blockchain is probably uh, one of those keywords that uh, became uh, um, very trendy in the 1910s. And uh, probably thanks to the recent popularity that the Bitcoin has uh, been receiving in this, uh, you know, uh, odd year, 2020, that we had um, just yesterday, I think, or maybe the day before, um, uh, Bitcoin for the first time reached the price of $40,000 a Bitcoin, which uh, had not, uh, uh, had never reached. Actually, uh, back in 2017, it had reached uh, a maximum of uh, 19000 and some uh, dollars. Uh, and the Bitcoin is uh, a cryptocurrency, probably the most popular because it was the first uh, uh, cryptocurrency that was uh, um, invented or, or probably the one that got the most traction in the 1910s. Uh, it actually was invented in um, 2080 or so uh, when a group of uh, uh, researchers uh, uh, led by uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, a um, a person who's, uh, you know, is one of these uh, mysteries of uh, cryptocurrency uh, released a white paper in which he described the procedures that uh, 
person, well, or rather than a person, a society, a group of people could, uh, uh, could follow in order to create a currency that would be completely independent of banks, of national banks. As we know, most banks, most currencies are uh, backed up by a national bank. So, you know, the US dollar by the US uh, Federal Reserve and uh, uh, each country usually has uh, their own uh, national bank that supports or, or backs up uh, their currency. Uh, well, what Nakamoto did was come up with a procedure uh, that essentially is a network of computers in, you know, in the end of the internet, in the age of the internet, we have uh, uh, thousands, you know, millions of computers that can be connected with each other. And uh, um, if uh, all of them had a replica or not all of them, actually 50% is uh, essentially the requirement uh, for these uh, uh, blockchains. Uh, which is essentially a database, you know, a, a list of fields uh, and um, a list of records that are added one to the next and the next and the next. <clears throat> that list of fields uh, could enable a group of computers, a network of computers, to keep uh, um, essentially keep track of who owns how many uh, bitcoins. And of course, after Bitcoin, there have come a myriad other um, cryptocurrencies like uh, Ethereum um, uh, and uh, Dash. And um, um, well, you know, uh, there's uh, literally hundreds, if not thousands already, IOTA, Litecoin, Monero. I mean, the names keep coming to my mind. <laughs> um, of uh, uh, cryptocurrencies that uh, all of them essentially need to be operationalized through a blockchain. And this blockchain is essentially uh, a spreadsheet, a huge spreadsheet that um, uh, only accepts add uh, operations, no change operations, uh, no delete operations either. And that's uh, where the uh, virtues and some problems lie with blockchains because you can continue to add more and more and more records to this. And um, that's essentially what creates the reliability for, for this uh, uh, database because it is uh, being uh, backed up by computers all around the world. And um, it's also a, a problem because if somebody makes a mistake, it's not so easy to correct it. There are procedures to correct it. And uh, occasionally there, there, there have been some uh, um, problems with uh, uh, some of these uh, cryptocurrencies that have uh, uh, made their administrators uh, back up uh, a few records and so on. Uh, but it is very unusual and extremely difficult uh, to, to do this type of uh, uh, correction. So um, I, I think I have <laughs> uh, described a fairly complex uh, process in a few words. Uh, so I'm sure that uh, there, there may be many, many questions from what I have just uh, uh, described. Please, please tell me if I should be clarifying something. No, I mean, that, that was a really good uh, overview, I guess. Um, maybe the key question that listeners might have is, um, mm -hmm. you know, is it, um, is it safe? Is it secure? And um, is it encrypted? Uh, it, you know, why should people have confidence in this type of technological platform when it comes to money or anything else? Right, right. I hear you. 
<clears throat> well, uh, I think you, you asked, uh, is it safe? Uh, and the answer is uh, that uh, blockchains, uh, yes, are extremely safe in the sense that uh, there are fields that uh, make it uh, virtually impossible for other uh, computers uh, uh, to um, uh, recreate or, or falsify any of its records. But not all of the records are encrypted necessarily. In fact, uh, that's part of the uh, architecture or, or the, the uh, design of the, of the blockchain, which uh, essentially some of the fields are public or, or publicly available so that uh, any computer around the world can actually use uh, the last record or, and or group of records in order to uh, make sure that uh, um, the cryptography, the, the, the fields that are being, um, the next field, the, the next uh, record that is being added cannot be duplicated, cannot be reproduced. In fact, uh, uh, back in the uh, 1910s, 15 or 16, I cannot recall the exact year, there were, there, there was, um, and there were some problems with uh, <clears throat> a, uh, a dark net, you know, the dark web. Um, there were a few uh, um, illegal operations being, uh, uh, being, uh, uh, I guess, organized, uh, even, you know, uh, the sale of, uh, uh, I think it all started with uh, the sale of uh, um, medicines, uh, antibiotics and other, other medicine that is highly controlled, particularly in the United States, in Europe and other um, uh, strong, you know, very well-developed economies, which is not as well controlled in other places. So um, within the dark web, it was possible to, uh, to uh, uh, obtain these substances, illegal substances. And of course, these people wanted, the people that were supplying and purchasing and, and selling and so on, uh, wanted to be paid in bitcoins, and that's uh, that was one of the early problems that that uh, uh, especially Bitcoin had, because it became quickly associated with uh, the dark web and some of those illegal operations. Um, so, uh, to make a long story short, uh, the apparent creator of uh, a website that was like the Amazon of uh, illegal substances and illegal, um, you know, uh, operations and whatnot uh, was uh, captured uh, here in the United States, I believe. And uh, his accounts, uh, Bitcoin accounts, uh, were essentially one, some of the evidence that the FBI used in order to uh, associate uh, his computers, his uh, records, his wealth, uh, um, everything that uh, this person had, uh, uh, had amassed uh, through the operation of this uh, illegal Amazon, you know, black, black market Amazon. So um, um, that's my way to answer this question. You know, is this secure? Yes, it is secure, but only to some extent. <laughs> and uh, there have been some uh, very dark associations with this uh, uh, technology um, early in its, in its history. It's mm. now looking like ancient history, but uh, it's still there. Yeah. You mentioned that um, blockchain technology is mainly known for its association with cryptocurrency, um, mm -hmm. but it has, I guess, in, in recent uh, years, um, been, I guess, mm -hmm. realized that it has implications well beyond cryptocurrencies. Uh, for example, that there are uses of blockchain technology for supply chain operations um, or yeah. any number of fields. I was even thinking uh, just in light of the um, 
you know, the debacle that was the, the recent U.S. presidential election, I almost wonder why they don't use blockchain technology for purposes of voting. If it's um, virtually unhackable, uh, you would think that there would be um, space for a company to develop voting technology that would make sure that every vote counts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, I I would not be surprised if that comes in the near future, quite frankly, because yes, it's uh, it's extremely difficult to hack and uh, change. I mean, it's uh, again not impossible. And actually, in the horizon, the uh, uh, possibilities of quantum computing is uh, um, frequently mentioned as uh, uh, one you know one um, te- technological development that actually might. Uh, uh, do away with uh, uh, with cryptocurrencies and several other encryption, uh, military grade encryption technologies that we currently have uh, as uh, the the bleeding edge of uh, of uh, of uh, cybersecurity. Because once quantum computers uh, become a reality, or if they ever become a reality, uh, probably will. Uh, the point is that uh, there are possibilities uh, for for uh, decryption will make it, will, will make uh, uh, these, uh, uh, again, military grade uh, cryptography uh, null. You know, they, they, they would be no longer become a, 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 a true uh, encryption. It would be very easy to decrypt those, those records. But uh, that's, uh, you know, essentially talking into the future because right now uh, at the, at the blockchain is uh, not a very efficient technology. It is extremely secure. It is very, very difficult to hack uh, and even to replicate. But uh, um, because of this ne- necessity by design that uh, 50% or uh, a minimum of 50% of the computers that are members of uh, the network uh, agree that one record is, uh, the new record, the newest record is indeed uh, uh, a cryptographic solution to, to the, the cryptographic puzzle that uh, is embedded in every, in every record. Um, that makes it impossible to do uh, a large number of transactions per, per, per day, per, per minute, even, uh, per, even per second. Um, I think in, in one of the papers that uh, I published with respect to uh, cryptography uh, and the blockchain within human resources management, I, uh, I included a few comparisons um, that, um, uh, that had uh, the speed that is necessary uh, in order to, uh, to um, add a record into, into the blockchain. And that, uh, at least at the, at the time of my publication last year, uh, later, later uh, 2019, early 2020, uh, it was necessary at least about uh, uh, 10 minutes uh, uh, before every, before a, a block of, uh, of uh, which is essentially a record within this blockchain uh, could be considered added. So essentially, that's one reason why if you own um, big ch- uh, uh, Bitcoin, uh, you need to wait for at least 30 minutes in order to consider that, that record, that any transaction as finalized. And uh, just for comparison purposes, Visa, MasterCard, the, the, um, you know, the typical, very well-known uh, credit cards process tens of thousands of uh, transactions per second. 
So, you know, it's, it's an order of magnitude. It's a very, very different order of mag magnitude. And because of that reason, in addition to the fact that uh, we need uh, this network of computers, you know, many of them are, are decentralized. Uh, there are some, um, uh, some uh, centers where they do these, uh, um, these computing, these computing uh, operations. Uh, in China, in uh, Venezuela, in uh, well, in the United States, in Canada, uh, they're all over the world. But there are some places where the weather conditions uh, are more appropriate, and more more than the weather, actually, it's the price of of uh, energy that uh, drives uh, the ability for people to um, to actually create uh, uh, mining. Um, what is the word they use? mining um, um, operations, essentially, you know, clusters of computers that are, uh, that are looking for the solution to the next record, because every time uh, a computer finds a solution for that record, they keep a small commission. And that's one of the tricks that has motivated and that, that has uh, uh, also incentivized the use of blockchain uh, technology that every person or every every computer that uh, is uh, uh, trying to add one one uh, block or one record to the blockchain uh, gets rewarded by the same by, by the same network. So um, long story short, <laughs> uh, it is not impossible that uh, voting and other other um, high reliability uh, uh, applications will be eventually operationalized in in uh, using blockchain. But uh, right now, it is too expensive for that. You know, it, it is too difficult, too, too too slow. It is a very very reliable network, but on the other hand, it is an expensive one and fairly inefficient, in fact. Mm. Let's talk a bit about how blockchain technology could change the world of work. And particularly, um, I'm interested in the research you've done surrounding the implications of blockchain technology for human resource management. Yes, sure. Well, so uh, I was just going to ask, um, particularly in reference to um, areas of HR, like recruitment and selection and compensation and performance appraisal, what would be some of the ways that companies and organizations and firms could use blockchain technology to help improve their decision making? Sure, sure. Thank you, Andrew. Well, I think one of the most uh, um, salient, most obvious uh, applications that uh, came about uh, in, I think, in, 19, uh, in, in the 2019, 18, perhaps, uh, uh, was the use of... Uh, um, of uh, uh, I think they call them um, uh, crypto certs or certificates. Uh, well, um, uh, actually, um, well, you're you're not affiliated with the University of Melbourne, are you? Uh, no, I'm at the RMIT University, Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology. Yes, that's right. Well, I understand that uh, your competitors, <laughs> Uni Melbourne, among other institutions, uh, uh, which include the MIT, uh, EM Lyon Business School, uh, Nant, uh, um, and several other places, uh, in 2017, 18, more or less, started um, uh, creating uh, crypto based, uh, you know, uh, encrypted, um, encrypted versions of their certificates for for some graduate degrees. Uh, so uh, this was a technology or an option that their graduates, at least in some programs, uh, could opt for. 
And um, the idea was to create uh, a certificate that uh, uh, a graduate could uh, you know, identify um, by using their computer or their smartphone. And uh, the recruitment and selection is then the first area within human resources management in which uh, the use of, uh, of blockchains became uh, fairly, uh, it was low hanging fruit, so to speak, <laughs> you know, because you, you don't have uh, people, you don't have large uh, crowds of people getting degrees. Uh, you know, you get uh, a, a number of uh, uh, grads uh, every other semester, more or less, you know, once or twice a year. And uh, that credential is important, especially for the, for the graduate and for the company that employs that uh, or that hires that graduate. So they do want to make sure that uh, uh, the person that claims that uh, he or she has a degree, a master's degree, or even an undergraduate degree, they, they want to make, you know, people want to make sure that that person has indeed uh, earned that degree or, or that the transcript, you know, has um, uh, a GPA, a grade point average of uh, uh, whatever, you know, the minimum might be. Uh, so um, recruitment and selection is one of the areas in which uh, the verification of credentials, especially um, spearheaded by very, some very salient uh, universities like the ones I mentioned, became fairly, fairly uh, uh, high profile. I don't, I don't think it has been very well adopted, you know, very widely adopted, but it is definitely one of the applications in which first came in. It definitely <laughs> has, I think, potential to revolutionize the industry because I've always noticed that when yeah. it comes to a job search, there's a lot of wasted effort. So if you have an individual applying for a job, um, mm -hmm. you know, he or she claims that, you know, they have a degree from whatever university and, you know, their GPA was whatever, then mm -hmm. the HR manager would have to do a background check um, to make sure that that's the case. So every mm -hmm. time this person changes jobs, there would be another background check, another request to the university for a degree certificate or transcripts or whatever. Yeah. And in fact, there is a whole industry, a support industry surrounding HR that exactly. whose job is to essentially do these background checks. So if I'm right. reading you correctly, the implications mm -hmm. of, of, um, credentialized um, blockchain tech would mean that this background industry would essentially fold because there would be no need to double check or triple check or quadruple check that someone has the degrees mm -hmm. that they claim to have. Right. In the, at the extreme, that could happen. Of course, you know, uh, it's one thing to, to, to um, uh, certify and or verify that a person has earned a degree from uh, RMIT or, or from MIT or from any other places. Uh, it's a different thing to certify that that person is an expert in Excel, for example. And I'm, I guess most of us are, are, are aware that uh, LinkedIn, for example, is offering badges and uh, has uh, acquired a, a, a company, lynda.com, that, uh, you know, that essentially allows uh, um, its subscribers to uh, show that they are able to uh, use, uh, I don't know, access or, or, or they're able to um, program using Python or, or whatnot. So the level, uh, the granularity needed for, for certification uh, will probably still allow for a number of, com of companies that uh, do the, the uh, verification. And of course, you know, every, 
every uh, many companies, not every industry, but many companies will still need uh, some uh, verification with the authorities, you know, with legal um, actors, and make sure that there are no no claims or or no ac accusations against the person if the if the position they're they're trying to hire uh, requires those kinds of uh, very high security uh, credentials and and whatnot. But yeah, no doubt that can save uh, uh, some uh, some recruiters a lot of time and money. That is that is very much uh, the case. Uh, another area is the area of incident filing. And, um, uh, you know, um, every time we use uh, a telephone-based system, we hear that, uh, uh, that comment, this, uh, this uh, call uh, may be recorded for uh, uh, training and security and other purposes. <laughs> uh, that kind of comment tells us that, uh, um, you know, many companies reserve the right to record those conversations. And uh, those recordings can be used, of course, for those purposes, but also sometimes um, those incidents, the filing of, of incidents uh, that have some questionable uh, implications, namely 1-800-lines, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, um, lines that are created, ethics lines, for example, in order to help employees uh, blow the whistle on uh, on illegal behavior within uh, within the accounting department uh, or a person that is being harassed uh, uh, you know by their uh, by one of their co-workers or their supervisor if he or she is able to uh, file an incident uh, um, through uh, an application and in fact there are some uh, there are some uh, companies that have specialized in, in that service I I uh, remember reading, um, actually, I remember even finding a YouTube, no, wait, a TED Talk, a TED Talk <laughs> um, that uh, talks precisely, the, the, uh, the author of this TED Talk, the, the speaker in this TED Talk uh, was uh, precisely making, um, not a pitch, it wasn't really a sales pitch, but it, she was essentially uh, saying how important it is that any incident that has to do with illegal behavior should be um, memorialized, you know, in a in a in a detailed and professional manner. And um, at the end of her of her talk, uh, this uh, uh, speaker was talking about how um, she and other uh, other colleagues or friends had been um, had been uh, using blockchain technology in order to create an app that people could use for that uh, for that purpose, uh, precisely. So. Uh, that has all, of course, implications because, like we were saying earlier, uh, it's easy to add, well, not easy, but it is possible to add one record to the blockchain. It is very hard to correct a block, uh, 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 to correct uh, such, a, such a record. So um, the implication that uh, is that uh, somebody that is being uh, named or identified, if, if the record in which the name is, uh, is uh, uh, added or the field within the record is not properly uh, uh, crypto uh, recorded, then there might be some uh, you know, uh, legal implications of uh, a person being, uh, being defamed and, and so on. So uh, that's another another area in which um, my research suggests there's already some there are already some applications that uh, uh, that can uh, do that you know that that help out uh, companies and human resources managers identify um, 
reliable records that are taken on, on a specific date and, and, and that kind of record cannot be uh, built, uh, cannot be fal falsified easily, if, mm. if at all. Mm. What about with respect to compensation? I mean, the way it's typically done is an employer would uh, deposit a paycheck into you know, an employee's bank account. Um, but it seems that with cryptocurrency, there might be a way to cut out the middleman and pay directly to the employee. In fact, that's one of the uh, options that uh, some, uh, um, at least some vendors, I, I have not come across specific companies that are actually doing it, you know, use, paying using uh, cryptocurrencies or using a blockchain, but especially for international transactions, yes, that has been something that has come up in a number of articles because uh, we know how difficult it is to transfer money, how difficult and expensive it is to transfer money internationally. And uh, many organizations uh, um, have uh, um, uh, at least uh, attempted to, to uh, uh, to sell this uh, this idea, this this possibility that uh, um, smart contracts actually is one of the terms that uh, that comes to mind in, in this context. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the blockchains, actually, some of the newer blockchains like Ethereum, uh, is is uh, or yeah, this this uh, blockchain uh, named Ethereum um, has been designed with, among other things. Um, improvements upon the first blockchain that would uh, create uh, events. You know, for example, um, if uh, the ship that is transporting, uh, I don't know, uh, containers from uh, country A to country B reaches its destination, then um, by virtue of a GPS signal, then the the um, the payment is uh, is uh, uh, done takes place uh, with no human interaction. So yes, payments are another uh, exciting possibility, especially using uh, so-called smart contracts, uh, which would be uh, which which would enable uh, you know um, uh, seamless transactions without uh, the possibility of that uh, a person would uh, be would be um, uh, making a, a, an error as long as it is properly and you know thoroughly um, uh, thoroughly uh, programmed <laughs> of course because uh, like everything you know there's always the possibility that uh, an error can be made but of course you know for that uh, there would be some some uh, accounting systems to to correct it and whatnot but yeah, um, in fact, another another exciting um, uh, possibility that has been mentioned in in uh, practitioner uh, literature at, at a minimum is uh, linking supply chains with payments and or even with um, um, uh, registry with identities. Uh, you know, in the Western world, we we have uh, social security numbers. We have uh, um, in most of the world, really, most of the developed world, we have. Uh, uh, networks that make it very easy to, uh, or or, fairly, or or very difficult to impersonate or or to, um, uh, I don't know, compensate a person that doesn't exist. That's not necessarily the case in many countries where there isn't as developed a, a social security system, a taxation place, you know, a taxation authority, and so on. And uh, the creation and uh, the support of uh, the, the block, block, blockchain-based 
um, uh, development and deployment of uh, um, uh, identity registries has been also mentioned as uh, one way in which the blockchain can be can be uh, deployed. Actually, I'm, I'm just saying here in my notes that Coca-Cola and the U.S. State Department, back in March 2018, uh, announced that they had that they, they were launching a project using blockchain technology to create a, a quote secure registry for workers that will help fight the use of, of uh, forced labor worldwide. End, end quote. So uh, yeah, um, there's. It's not just the payment, but the, the verification that the person exists and that the person you know, uh, that uh, the money is being uh, sent to um, is uh, a legitimate uh, uh, identity, you know, a legitimate person that uh, that uh, uh, will be getting compensated for his or her work. You're right. You've been listening to Professor Miguel Olives Lujan from Penn State University talk about his research on the implications of blockchain technology for human resource management. Miguel, uh, let's wrap this conversation up with uh, one final question. Um, could you give us an indication of how widely these technologies have been adopted by uh, organizations? You mentioned Coca-Cola. Is there any other evidence that um, organizations are starting to take seriously the implications of blockchain tech for employment? Well, that's an excellent question. And, and I do have some uh, uh, agents, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, internet-based uh, agents that uh, send me, uh, uh, I can't recall right now if I have it set uh, up on a week weekly or bi-weekly basis, but uh, I get a lot of uh, messages that uh, uh, companies here and there, articles here and there come up uh, with uh, um ideas, you know, projects or proposals, but um, uh, I don't see a lot of uh, HR adoption at this point uh, of blockchain-based technologies. And maybe because of the reasons I, I explained earlier, you know, the, the fact that it is not the most effective or most efficient, really, of uh, databases, it is extremely secure for uh, cryptocurrencies and uh, uh, similar financial applications, but uh, it is not as uh, as efficient. I mean, it, it takes a lot longer than than it would take uh, um, other types of transactions. And in addition, um, the, at least the blockchain, the one that supports the, the Bitcoin, is uh, fairly um, underdeveloped. You know, there aren't as many fields as uh, later later blockchains uh, uh, have brought up precisely because the newer blockchains are trying to address some of the deficiencies of the earlier uh, blockchains. So I don't see that much adoption yet. That doesn't mean that um, it won't take off, especially nowadays that the uh, Bitcoin is reaching unsuspected levels. Uh, but, and also at the same time, we know, you know, Moore's law still applies. Computing power is becoming increasingly cheaper, faster, uh, and so on, which might make these technologies more applicable to other contexts. But uh, uh, as of today, you know, January 2021, I don't see a lot of adoption. I see a lot of ideas. I see many companies, IBM, uh, Coca-Cola, the, the MIT are some of the names that have come up uh, in my in my research. Some of the most uh, most uh, recognizable names, you know, many many universities like uh, um, Texas A&M, uh, Uni Melbourne, uh, 
um, etc. Uh, but um, I, again, I don't see a lot of uh, um, applications yet. Miguel, this has been a really informative uh, discussion and I just want to thank you for your time. It's been great for you to share these uh, thoughts with us today. Oh, thank you, Andrew. It's my pleasure to uh, share a little bit of the work that I have been doing on this uh, exciting area for me <laughs> uh, and for many more. I, I, I know it's, it's, uh, it's, it's probably one of the areas in which uh, we can uh, be sure that there's going to be some exciting, uh, some excitement <laughs> in, the near, in the near future. But uh, uh, at least in my perception, there's more promise than reality at, at this point. Thank you very much. That's great, mate. Thanks so much. And this is Professor Andrew R. Timmings signing out.